It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 462 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is September 5th, 2023. Obviously, last night, the Padres, they lost 9-7 to to the Philadelphia Phillies, a wild Labor Day game. So there's a lot to talk about with what happened in that game and some things in the future, like some future questions about Rich Hill. Did he continue to be starting? We'll have that conversation. Uh, the the lack of clutch production when needed from some of the big guys in the lineup, which has been a theme in this Padres season. Definitely stuff to talk about there. And another thing that I wanted to touch on here today was the injuries of this Padres team that have continued to pile up. What effect has that had on this Padres team? Is that a valid excuse for this Padres team or not? And there's also... An injury now at the minor league level with the Padres' best prospect, Ethan Salas, that may be shutting him down for the rest of this season. So we'll touch on that as well. Again, thank you all for tuning in here, Talking Fires episode 462. If you want to join the show, as always, I give you that opportunity. You can click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat. If you want to make sure I get your comment or your question, you can just use that super chat button. Uh, and it supports the channel and makes it very easy for me to see your comment, your question. So I appreciate anyone that takes the time to do that. Uh, you can use my code as well, Talking Friars, $20 off on SeatGeek. And make sure to check out FOCO and Breaking Tea, some great partners of the show, FOCO, some amazing bobbleheads that they have and Padres uh, collectibles and Breaking Tea, obviously, with the, the apparel that they have for not just the Padres, but San Diego Wave, who got a win over the weekend. San Diego State, who got a win over the weekend, have a big matchup against UCLA this coming weekend. So check them out. Link in the descriptions there. Um, But yeah, let's get started talking about what happened in yesterday's game. Padres, again, they lose 9-7. to And I was listening to Ben and Woods earlier this morning, and Jesse Agler was on, and he thinks that Rich Hill was not the reason why the Padres lost yesterday. Like, he said that. And I was surprised when I heard that. And I was like, oh, really? Because that that's not how I feel. I, I get what his point was. His point was, well, the Padres, they had the opportunity to go tie that game or take the lead in that game 
late and the bats just didn't show up. They didn't do their job. And that is fair. But what I look at is, well, look how many runs the Padres scored. They scored seven runs. That should be enough. But with Rich Hill on the mound last night, that was not enough because Rich Hill was throwing absolute meatballs right down the middle of the plate. It was batting practice. I mean, could I have been up there more effective than Rich Hill or at least as effective? Probably. Now, maybe some hitters would have been fooled with the speed difference, but I mean, Rich Hill, the, this, the velocity that these guys are used to, that is literally like batting practice velocity to those guys. You know, when they go hit uh, from a coach that's throwing like from what, 20, 30 feet away, probably. That's probably what it looks like to, to some of them. And then you add in, well, it's a huge breaking ball. So yeah, there's movement, but it's slow. So you can see, it's almost like if you play wiffle ball in the backyard and someone throws a curveball, but it's not high velocity or anything like that. Like, sure, it's a curveball and there's movement, but these major league hitters, they obviously see that it's coming and they have a lot more time to react than they're used to. So Rich Hill has to be so fine, so great with his location of his pitches or else he's going to get hammered. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. I mean, he only goes an inning and a third, I believe, less than two innings of work. And it was bad. Seven hits. The underdog fantasy higher lower on the hits yesterday was four. And I thought, yeah, higher, definitely. Because I was thinking maybe he'd go three, four innings. Yeah, this Phillies lineup, they'll get more than four hits, definitely. I wasn't expecting all of that to happen, for seven hits to happen in less than two innings of work for Rich Hill. You know, he gives up two home runs, obviously. Edmundo Sosa, that ball was a little bit out of the zone, but it was still you know, right in his happy place, if you will. And then Trey Turner, also homers, and he has definitely found his swing. I mean, I feel like people are connecting Trey Turner, him coming back ever since the Philadelphia Philly fans gave him like that standing ovation in Philadelphia. Usually they boo and all that when this guy's not doing well, and they did boo earlier in the year, but they decided to give him a standing ovation, change it up, and he was very appreciative appreciative of that. And ever since, he's been hitting pretty darn well for this Phillies team. And they that that's the difference between this Padres team and this Phillies team. It just feels like they really take advantage of when they have that upper hand. When there's another pitcher or there's a pitcher that they're facing on the mound that day that doesn't have it, that should no way be beating that lineup, they go beat that pitcher where the Padres, there's been a lot of times this season where you got Graham Ashcraft on the mound or name another pitcher that isn't that impressive. And the Padres make him look like Clayton Kershaw in his prime. You know, they it's, it's been frustrating for sure. And yesterday continued a trend this season from the Padres, which was the big guys in the lineup, not coming through. Now, as I said, in my post game reaction yesterday, I'm going to give credit to this Padres offense for battling, yes, the Jace Tingler word, fighting and coming back. They were down 8-1 to one at one point in the game, and then they made it 9-7, and that ended up being the final. Like, good job not laying down, but it feels like it's too late for, oh, well, good job, they were fighting, good job. No, that's, who cares about that now, you know? And Bob Melvin said that post-game with the media. Like, there's... I forget exactly what he said, like moral victories or something like that. Like there's, it's too late to be having moral victories. You need actual victories because moral victories don't help you make the postseason. You know, and I already think the season's over, just like pretty much every Padre fan out there, but they're not mathematically eliminated just yet. They're almost going to be, but not yet. So obviously Bob Melvin, it's like, well, we need to win games still. Like, that's the mindset he has. And when you have a seven-run offensive performance, well, sure, in April that would be good. But again, it's not time for the, the moral victories. No, it was not a victory. Bottom line, you look at the box score, you look at the run scored for the Phillies and the Padres, it was not a victory. And so, not good enough. And, yeah, Rich Hill stunk it up. Did he take himself out of the rotation yesterday with that performance. Like that's, 
that's a question, obviously, that I think Padre fans are throwing around. Um, obviously, Bob Melvin was asked about that by the media last night. And my thought on Rich Hill being in this rotation right now is I would say, why not? Why not keep him in the rotation? Because this is not early August that we're talking about where the Padres had more of a realistic shot at making the postseason, right? Right now, it's September 5th. And the Padres are, what, nine games under 500? They have not won four games in a row this season. You are, you know this. The, the one-run games, they're absolutely terrible. Extra innings, haven't won any games there. Like, it's just not going to happen this year. There's so many teams that would have to not play very good, and then the Padres would have to have, like, the best stretch in franchise history for them to make the postseason. So, for me, and this can translate to the position player conversation with Manny and maybe Bogart, some other guys, but pitching-wise, right, Musgrove, should not be back on a mound this year. Darvis, not be back on a mound this year. Michael Waka, that's a discussion as well, because if the Padres want to take the $16 million club options for 20, uh, 2024 and 2025, maybe you do shut him down so that he can have a healthy offseason and not risk an injury, right? But with Rich Hill, he's not going to be on the team next year. Like, this was a less than a half-season thing, right? And the Padres, they were just looking for a little bit more depth, someone that maybe could give them some innings. And Rich Hill hasn't really even been able to do that. He's, he's called himself pathetic, his performances, and just not good enough, terrible, crap. Like that, He's describing that. That's not fans saying it. He's saying it. So I like the accountability there. And although, yes, it has been pretty crappy, I would still keep him in the rotation because – who are you going to have start games over Rich Hill? Okay, you could bring up Matt Waldron, I guess. But is Matt Waldron going to be like a, a long-term starting rotation piece for this Padres team? I mean, if you wanted to, you could have Waldron just pitch for Waka if you want to shut Waka down. Or you could have Waldron pitch for Pedro Avila. Um, I get fans that are like, well, let's see Avila and Waldron in the rotation. Okay, but for me, it's like the season's already over. Let's just get through the season here. And Waldron, if you just want to make it a Rich Hill-Matt Waldron game every time out and just do that, okay. You know, Because Waldron, he's still getting his work in. He might not be starting the games, but he's still pitching. He pitched almost 90 pitches, I think, the other day. So when he's coming in games, he's still like throwing a starter workload. So if he's doing that, then... I'm fine with him not starting games. Like that's, I think we can be fine with that. And again, with Rich Hill, it's like, yeah, the the results are not there. But do we want this Padres team to go win a bunch of games here? Because even if they do, I don't see them making the postseason. So, like, what's the what's the point of having Rich Hill not start games? If that makes sense, you could say, what's the point of him starting games? But I, what I would say to that is, yeah, he's not great, but he's filling innings for you when you have a couple guys in the rotation that are not going to be returning this year, and you're just trying to get through the season. Like, that's literally what the Padres are doing. They can say all they want to the media, and Manny can be in the lineup uh, about, like, they're trying to win. They're, they're, you know, there's no X next to their name. They're not officially eliminated, all that. But the players know where they are. People in the front office know where they are. Coaching staff knows where the Padres are. Come on. Just like the fan base knows. Everyone knows that they're not making the postseason. So, again, I just go back to, well, yeah, you could have probably a better option in Matt Waldron being the rotation, but is it going to matter? No, it, it's not going to matter. So, really, you know, when Richel's on the mound, okay, expect a loss, you know, and it's just going to happen. But, We've seen plenty of losses this year. And the big loss is this team's not making the postseason. And Rich Hill is not like the big reason why this team's not going to make the postseason, right? With the starts that he's had this year, has he helped the Padres? No. But the Padres have already hurt themselves. They already hurt themselves before Rich Hill was even a Padre. And then in some other games, when Rich Hill's not even on the mound, they've hurt themselves as well when Rich Hill's been in, with San Diego. So. 
that's my thoughts on the ritual thing there. And the offense, you know, they they made it close yesterday. And again, I give credit to them for for fighting. Scoring three runs in the fourth, a run in the sixth, two runs in the seventh. But at the end of the day, you know, just didn't come up with those big hits when it mattered most. Now, we can talk about the eighth inning where Nando, he uh, steals third and Soto stole as well. So double steal. And that would have made it a one run game because the ball obviously got past the third baseman, but it hits the third base umpire right in the chest. And the third base umpire is like, I was asking myself, like, is this dude blind or something? Why is he standing so close to the base? And why is he standing directly in line with where a throw is? Like, is that the smart thing to do? You can't find another angle to see if a guy is safe or not. You have to be right in line with the throw. And that's just how this Padre season is going, where just nothing is working. Nothing it feels like everything is going against the Padres. And just they just haven't been able to come through when they've needed it most. And so there would have been a run there, been nine to eight. Now, the Padres, they still didn't score a run after that. So maybe they would have lost nine to eight. But it's still one of those things. And it's like, man, this game should have been closer than the two run deficit that it was. And who knows what would have happened if, um, you know, Tatis would have scored there, Soto on third, if Manny Machado would have been able to continue being alive in that at-bat instead of striking out against Craig Kimbrell because Craig Kimbrell, he had the pitch clock violation that wasn't called if you go back and watch it. Was it a 3-2 count? I forget what the count was, but it might not have been 3-2, maybe like 1-2 and or 2-2. and But Kimbrell, he was set, but he didn't start. He didn't kick that leg up yet, and the clock was at zero. Boom. You're going to have Manny get penalized for that earlier in the year for not being ready or whatever it was. You got to penalize Craig Kimbrell. So that was on the home plate umpire there. And then the third base umpire, if that's not on him and that's just how he was taught to be there, whoever taught him that, I think they're in the wrong there. Like, how is, why is, why are umpires being taught to stand right there on a throw from home plate to third base? Yeah, stand directly in line with the throw. So if there's an overthrow, the ball, it just goes right off of you. And the team that's stealing third base, they don't get the benefit from, from the bad throw, the mistake from the opponent. You know, that was really weird. But that, that just, you know, kind of displayed this Padre season. Just nothing really feels like nothing going the Padres way. Um, but I think when it comes down to it about yesterday was that the Padres offense didn't come through when it mattered most. And let's go to the eighth inning because that was the eighth and the ninth because those were really crucial situations, obviously. Because in the eighth, the Padres, they're chasing two runs. They just scored two runs in the seventh inning and they get a couple base runners on, right? Tatis, Soto, Runners on second and third, and then Manny strikes out against Kimbrell. Right? Can't get the job done there. Bogarts, he grounds out, and, it, and the inning's over. Like, big guys not coming through. Okay, you have Tatis and Soto get on. They're both in scoring position. Second and third. You got two big guys that are getting paid a ton of money come through in that spot. Can't correct Kimbrell. Good pitcher, but he's not the same guy that he used to be, right? And these guys have faced Craig Kimbrell before, and I don't want to make it seem like it's easy to go get a hit off of Craig Kimbrell, but these are supposed to be some of the more elite players in the league. We know how good Manny Machado is. We know how good Xander Bogart is, or at least if you're a Padres fan that has paid attention to just Major League Baseball, you know the name of Xander Bogarts before this season. He was hitting over 300 last year. So these are guys that the Padres are paying big money to come through in spots like this. And they didn't do it there. So that's on them there. And then the bottom of the ninth, again, multiple base runners are on. Cooper and Sanchez get on to start the inning. A couple of walks there. Jose Alvarado was struggling to, to throw strikes there. Then Batten grounds out. Camposano strikes out. And then top of the, top of the order, Kim kind of gets fooled there on the last pitch. 
those aren't like the big guys in the order, but it still continues the theme of Padres hitters not doing enough when it matters most. That like lack, the lack of clutchiness. I know there's a stat on that. I forget if it's on fan graphs or is it on baseball reference? Like there's like literally a clutch stat. Um, so maybe I'll look that up later, you know, after the show, like to see where to find that clutch stat. But what I saw from Kevin Acey's Padres Daily Newsletter this morning was like, wow, I knew it was bad, but this is really bad. And it's about the big four. In 42 of the Padres' losses, and I'm assuming these 42 games are in the situation of it was a one a one-run game, or the, the tying run or go-ahead run was on base already, or the big four was representing the tying run or the go-ahead run in 42 of the Padres' losses this season. Kevin says at least one member of the big four has come to the plate at least once in the sixth inning or later, representing the tying or go-ahead run or with the tying or go-ahead run already on base. They are 24 for 124 in those situations, hitting 194, the big four, this season, in 42 of those Padres losses, at least one of them, when they've come to the plate at least once in the sixth inning or later. So those important innings of ball games, really important considering the score in those situations, tying or go-ahead run already on base, or they represent the tying or go-ahead run. 194. That is terrible with the money that these guys are getting paid. And even if you take the money part out of it, just the track record of these guys, and the numbers that they have put up, it's like, that can't be happening. That is inexcusable. It, it's not like this is Matthew Batten that is doing this. And, or, you know, name a player, Jose Zokar or Trent Grisham, where our expectations aren't super high, right? No, but these are guys that were sitting on that stage at Padres Fan Fest, where they were like San Diego's version of the Beatles, you know? And everyone was jammed packed at Gallagher Square, like just so excited about this upcoming season. And obviously Tatis mentioning who cares who we're playing in the World Series. You know, it doesn't matter. We're going to win the whole thing. And Manny seeing that and clapping to that after it happened, like these guys going into the year, super, super high expectations. And they have not lived up to it in those big moments this season, in those most important moments this season. There's been a ton of blowouts for this Padres team this year, but that's where is the pressure really on in those blowout games? You know, when it's five nothing, and maybe some one of those guys hits a hits a home run to make it seven or eight nothing, whatever, or seven one. You get my point. Is there a ton of pressure in those spots? I've never played in the big leagues. I've never stood in that batter's box in the big leagues facing a big league pitcher in a big situation compared to a non-big situation. Right. So I don't truly know. We don't truly know if those guys feel something different when they're in the box in those bigger situations. But based on the numbers, I feel like they feel something different. Something gets to them. Because we can't just tip our cap to, oh, well, that was just a good pitcher that time around. They've had a pretty good sample size of not being able to do their job in those big moments this season. And that absolutely has to change going into 2024, and not just 2024, but beyond. Because these guys, excluding Soto for now at least, these guys are going to be here for a long time. And so the Padres, they're going to be in trouble if these guys are going to do this every year. I, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic, and I don't think that this is going to happen again next year in terms of like being this bad, the big four like that. Because I look at the track records, but I've looked at the track records of some other guys, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, they'll turn it around. I even just not track records, but just Padres season earlier this season. Yeah, they'll turn they'll turn it around. Look at the talent on this team, and then they don't turn it around. So maybe some people are gonna want to look at the most recent things that have happened with this big four and be like, they're not gonna turn it around. Look what just happened, and that's totally fair. I guess I'm just trying to remain optimistic about the Padres' future with these guys on the team because I have no choice. I mean, I, I could be unoptimistic, but what I'm saying is, like, I have no choice because these guys are going to be on the roster. You know, I can't, I can't be like, well, they'll just be replaced by someone else and maybe that person will be better. No, like, they're going to be here. 
So they, they have to be better. So I'm just trying to, I guess, speak it into existence that, you know, they will be better. All right. I'm going to get to the chat here after this break. Check out Gaglione Bros Famous Cheesesteaks and Garlic Fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right. Reminder, if you want to join the show, you can click that link that's pinned up at the top of the chat. If you want to make sure I get your comment or your question, kind of direct where the show is going, you can use that super chat button. I greatly appreciate that support there. Uh, Devin says, Mandy and Zan- Man- Mandy. Manny and Xander are so unclutch. That's what it's felt like this season. I mean, I, when I just go over those numbers, yeah, backs that up. Salas injury hurts because, or, but it's a good thing in my opinion because I feel like they are rushing his development a little bit. Yeah, I'll get to that uh, because that's the kind of the second part part of the show that I wanted to talk about was the injuries of this season. How big of an uh, an effect have how big of an impact, I guess, is the better question, have they had on this season? Um, I'll get to that in a little bit. Rich Hill, Jake Arrieta, Vince Velasquez are washed pitchers. AJ has no idea how to establish a competent depth roster. That's also been a little bit of an issue. Was I'm not just talking about the roster in general, but the pitching from AJ Preller. You look at these past seasons. You go this year, Mars, Musgrove. Darvish, IL, and who who is starting some games now? Pedro Avila and Rich Hill, and you got Matt Waldron coming in games. You look at last year. Sure, they made the postseason, long postseason run, but Mike Clevenger, Shamanaya sucked it up in the NLCS, and those guys weren't used in the biggest moments to get to that spot, like the wild card game or the wild card series, I should say, right? We know who started those games. Wasn't those guys? I th- was it Clevenger or Manaya? I think it was Clevenger, right? He was left off of the wild card roster. Like they just have run out of pitching. That was that year, 2021. Velasquez, Jake Arrieta, uh, Ross Detweiler, I believe, was on the team a little bit. I think Pedro Avila made a start in that year, and they were just collapsing. You go back to 2020. You have you have Denelson Lamette get hurt. You have Craig Stammen pitching game three in the wild card series um, against the Cardinals at Petco. Excuse me. And then you have Ryan Weathers making his big league debut in the postseason that year. Like just not having options. And then obviously 2019 and all that, you know, some rebuilding years, but still, you still look at those pitching staff. It's like, oh, not great in the rotation, not great with that depth, right? So yeah, it's it's definitely it's been a problem with AJ. You can never have enough starting pitching, and maybe there's been times. I, 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 there probably was a time where I was like, I, I like where the Padres starting pitching is at. They have a lot of options, but that was at the beginning of the year. Look how many options they had at the beginning of the year, right? With obviously, well, Musgrove. I'm I'm talking about like going into spring training before we knew of Musgrove dropping the weight on himself. Uh, Musgrove and Darvish, and Snell, and Waka, and Lugo, and Jay Groom, we thought, Ryan Weathers there, Julio Tehran, Cole Hamels, we, maybe he'd come, come in, in in the summer, and then obviously he never pitched. But like they had options. Nick Martinez, they had a lot of names being thrown around there where it was like, oh, okay, I feel pretty good about starting pitching the options that they have. There's a lot of options there. Now, you fast forward months and months and months, and you're looking at it, and it's like, well, maybe should have kept Julio Tehran, found a way to have him on the Major League roster, um, maybe made some more free agent additions, but I don't know how big of an impact were those additions going to be, and were they just going to turn out like Julio Tehran, and they would have just went to another team because they weren't giving... They weren't being given the opportunity earlier in the year at the big league level where they could go get that opportunity uh, with some other team in the big league, you know? So I feel like a lot of teams, I don't think it's just a Padres thing, but it's just something that we've noticed with the Padres is that they just, they feel like they're in a good spot going into the season pitching wise. Yeah, we're good, but it ends up 
not really being the case because a lot of things can happen in a major league baseball season. A lot of injuries can happen. Uh, down performances, right? And that's that's what has happened with this Padres team this year. And the down performance part, I don't want to have that be the thing, like the, the main thing for the starting rotation. That's not, the rotation's been, I think, pretty solid this season. I've liked it. It's just at the end here, you obviously have Rich Hill in it, you have Pedro Avila in it, you have Darvish and Musgrove hurt. Those were big losses. And the bullpen, then that was inconsistent, and there was, there's been down performances there. And then obviously with the lineup, there's down performances. And so that, that has a little bit of a trickle-down trickle effect, I guess, uh, just on the rest of the roster, you know, when the stars don't produce. And then uh, the bullpen as well, like it puts a lot of pressure on the rotation and they have to be really, really good. Uh, and I, for the most part, there's been good performances from the rotation. But now we go to the end of this season and it's like, well, still feels like they're they're running out of some starting pitching depth. You know, there's not a lot of options to go to. So, yeah, pitching is going to be one of the priorities, I would say, going into this uh, offseason for sure. Matt says, Rich Hill makes $8 million. How can these owners cry poor and then pay these endless millions to so many scrubs? Is that true? I didn't know Rich Hill was making $8 million. That's probably because he's been in the big leagues for, what, 200 years? So... He probably has the respect from these GMs and these owners and the veteran presence. And even if you're not a great starting pitcher, like Sean Manaya, what what was the deal he got in the offseason? Remember that? It was like, oh, really? If Sean Manaya got that, imagine what you know, player X, starter X is gonna get. So these guys, even if they're not great, they can still get, you know, less than ten million dollars, a little less than ten million dollars, um, on like a one year deal. That's just how it is, especially when he's Rich Hill, and sure, he's way out of his prime, and you can make the case that he should be retired, but he continues to go out there. Hey, if, if someone's going to give you, if someone's going to give you a job, give you millions of dollars to do what you love, yeah, you're probably going to do it, right? So it's nothing against him, uh, but yeah, that's just what it is, and yeah, the owners crying poor, Matt. Yeah, that's not the best look, especially like the Pirates owner who gave over that those millions of dollars to Rich Hill, when those guys cry poor, it doesn't really add up when you're giving some of these guys more money than probably what they should be getting, right? To have them in your clubhouse. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.
Uh, Matt also says what changed it up for Trey Turner was when they dropped him to seventh and eighth in the lineup. Xander should have been moved down a month ago. Yeah. Is that where Trey Turner was hitting yesterday? I thought he was hitting more at the top of the lineup yesterday. But I, I know that he was moved down to the to the bottom of the lineup. Yes, I, I, I do know that. Let me see. Checking the box score here. Trey Turner was hitting second yesterday. But yeah, he was down in the order because he was struggling. And the Phillies, they're in the business of no egos here, trying to win ball games. If you suck, you suck. You should probably be moved down. And so yeah, Bogarts probably should have been moved down to fifth. But if you want to back up Bob Melvin here, you could also say, and you know, fire back at that, like, who else are you gonna have hit fifth? Who who do you want to have hit above Xander Bogarts? Who's a part of the big four. Gary Sanchez, Luis Camposano. Okay, so maybe Bogart's sixth. Who do you want to hit above Xander Bogart's? Matthew Batten, Matt Carpenter when he's in there, Trent Grisham, no. Who do you want it to be? You know, Jake Cronenworth, you want him hitting fifth, not Xander Bogart's? Or you want, like, okay, maybe, maybe, but... There's a lot of people that have been that have been bashing Jake Cronenworth's season, which he definitely should be bashed for it. It hasn't been good. Or it wasn't good because the season's over. Um, but it's like, okay, but but who are you going to put in that fifth spot in the lineup? You know? Devin says Phillies have a lineup that puts a ton of runs via power and clutchness, whereas the Padres struggle to find a happy medium. Padres don't have enough consistency. Yep, consistency has been a big word for this Padres team this season, or a lack thereof, right? Um, let's see here. Matt says if they're taking on two for 32 for Walker, then they definitely need to shut him down. Yeah, I agree on that. Yeah, Musgrove, Darvish, obviously shut them down. And with Walker, might as well shut him down and have the rotation be Blake Snell fighting for a Cy Young. He's obviously motivated there. Seth Lugo. Because he's going to not take the player option, right? The way he's pitching. And he's been able to pitch a lot of innings for this Padres team this year. Prove me wrong. So good for him. But he's probably going to go. Maybe he comes back to the Padres. But it's not going to be under that one-year player option that was put into that contract when he signed here, for sure. Have those two guys. And then you have Rich Hill, Pedro Avila, and Walter. Just have that be your rotation. And just play out the schedule. I would be totally okay with that. If the Padres have made that decision of, yeah, we're taking the, the two for 32, $16 million a year, those two club options years that they have to take at the same time after this season. If they're going to, if they've already made that decision, then yeah, you shut them down. Maybe they haven't made that decision yet, but the season's over. Like, shouldn't you already have made that decision? Because, what, Michael Walker continuing to pitch well, that's going to change your mind? It's already been a big sample size here. So I feel like their mind should already be made up about Michael Walker. Because I believe that that deadline has to, or I believe the deadline for that, like deciding if they take the club option or not, that deadline in the offseason happens before, like really all the big, you know, the real like free agency signing stuff happens. because. If, if you're not going to take the club option, then that guy needs to be able to be in free agency when everyone else is and get offers from other teams, you know? So, yeah, a decision should probably already have been made on the Michael Walker thing there. Uh, Devin asks, what do you think about Nola having a concussion all season? Yeah, it's unfortunate for sure. Um, maybe Major League Baseball, other baseball teams like the Padres should have better tests, but I thought I read in the article that Nola underwent tests. Like, I was listening to Ben and Woods this morning, and I think Woodsy was saying that Nola, it's either Ben or Woodsy, they were saying that, yeah, Nola already went like through a, a month of tests. Like, they, they did test him, and he cleared the concussion stuff and all of that. So maybe that's just the, the best test that they have. Maybe they need to find a way to have better tests or. Maybe the trainers, the training staff, the doctors have to hold back a player. But 
if you do that and you hold back all of these players when they say, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm going to play, then you're not going to have anyone to play. You know, and Austin Nola defensively, it didn't seem like things were terrible with him. Now, throwing out guys, but that's just, that's not an eye problem. That's just his arm. But it felt like everything was fine there. So I don't really, I don't feel like it's right to putting be putting a ton of blame on many people in this situation. Because, unless obviously the Padres like knew how bad it was, but it doesn't seem like they did. Because Austin Nola kind of got inspired to get checked out after the Anthony Rizzo comments, right? Because he had, I think he was dealing with a concussion when Tatis went back into the bag at Yankee Stadium earlier this year and I think hit Rizzo accidentally uh, in the head. I think Rizzo was trying to tag Tatis, if I remember correctly. And then like a month, two months later, it came out Rizzo was having problems. And so Nola was like, I got to get, I don't feel right. So I got to get checked out as well. And he did, and obviously this came up. So yeah, very, very unfortunate. Um, you, you never wish, obviously, a concussion on anyone, anything on anyone, any injury. And with Nola, I feel like the Padres, I think it's right for the Padres to keep him in the organization and give him another shot based on what happened this season. And just make sure that he's good. Like maybe they don't feel like having him in the organization and thinking that he's a, a, a serviceable enough catcher offensively anymore, but make sure that he's good before you have him go and be a free agent somewhere um, and maybe go sign somewhere else. Like he's under contract with you. You have money, you have resources. Make sure that he's mentally there, he's mentally good, and he is recovered before you, you know. Have him leave the organization and, you know, DFA him or not DFA, but release him, what, whatever. Find a trade partner. I think it's the Padres, like, it's their job to make sure that these guys are okay. Um, and you're, you're not just looking out just for the on-field product, but these guys are humans as well, you know? But, yeah, definitely. Um, and that leads me into the injuries for this big league club. Like, how big of an impact have these injuries had to this team? Is this a valid excuse, the injuries? Is it a valid excuse? And my answer to that is no. These injuries are not a valid excuse for the disappointment that the Padres have shown us in 2023. No way. But with that said, if this makes sense, it's been a significant... It's significantly impacted this Padres team. No doubt about it. I mean, I, I can just go down the list here. This isn't all in order, and I'm not listing everyone, but these are like significant injuries. Austin Nola is, it, it was, obviously, we thought, well, no, Austin Nola, he just stinks offensively. Like, he just needs to go. Gary Campy, that's just what it needs to be. Nola gets sent to the moon. Gets get sent to the sun. You know, like some Padre fans like to say that on social media, launch this dude into the sun. But now with the concussion thing and the vision stuff, the left eye, especially now that we know about that, it's like, no, that was a pretty significant thing. When one of your consistent major league starting nine players is dealing with that. Yeah, that's a significant injury. Austin Nola. I do. I do want to be clear, though. If Nola was totally fine, the Padres would not like be in a postseason spot right now. So. Again, it's impactful, but it's not a valid excuse. Manny Machado, IL left hand fracture. He was out a few weeks there. But he was hitting 231 with a 654 OPS at that time. So impactful, significant, but wasn't the difference between them making the postseason and not. Not the way that Manny was playing. If Manny was hitting 330, then it would be different, right? But he was really struggling there before he got hurt. And then the stuff now with the tennis elbow. Well, the season's already over. And maybe he's been dealing with that for months. But again, him playing really good baseball, would the Padres have more wins? Yes. I'm I'm confident that they would have more wins than what they have right now. But 
what if the other guys in this big four still played like this? Would they be in a postseason spot? Not so sure about that. If they would be, they'd be really fighting for that last postseason spot, probably. You know? So, again, these injuries, significant, but I don't think it's like this valid excuse for Peter Sider to sit there and be like, nope, it's okay, let's all run it back next year. Now, with these big players, you have to because they're under contract. But this isn't a valid excuse, I don't think, for Peter Seiler to sit there and be like, no, let's run back this entire team. This season was a a once-in-a-century disappointment. Just throw out this season. No, there's stuff that they have to look at in this season. If you continue with the injuries, Bogarts never went on the IL, I don't believe, but with the, uh, the wrist, we know that was a problem. And he had the cortisone shot, I think, at the All-Star break. But it was hurting, and he had, like, all of his power just zapped. It was gone. He had two home runs combined in the month of May and June. That's a lot of baseball that he played in May and June. Two home runs. That's it. And Xander is not Aaron Judge. He's not Shohei Otani. He's not known as this big power hitter. But I'm sorry. This guy was signed to a $280 million contract in the offseason. You hit two home runs in a two-month span? I mean, come on. That's inexcusable. It's clear that the wrist had something to do with that. No doubt about that. And I respect Bogarts for playing through that. And again, significant, for sure. Impactful, yes. But is that the reason why the Padres missed the postseason? No. I mean, Bogarts, first month of the year, right? The Padres were, what, over over 500? I know they were over 500 on May 10th. That was the last time I believe they were over 500. And that's when Bogarts was playing really good baseball. He was, like, carrying the team. But even without the wrist injury, he wouldn't have done that the rest of the season. I don't think. And, again, the other members of the Big Four, if they would have kept with these same performances here, is Bogarts not getting hit in the wrist when he did and not dealing with that. That's the difference between the Padres missing and making the postseason. Like, they would have made the postseason just if Bogarts was healthy the whole year. I just don't see it. It's really been a collective thing here. It's not just one person where it's like, oh, man, that guy was crap this season. That's the reason why. It's not the NBA where it's more of an individual game like that you know you can really point to that person's performance that guy wasn't healthier that guy sunk in the big moments no it hasn't been just one guy it's been a collective thing uh robert suarez obviously right elbow inflammation missed two and a half months that is definitely a significant injury especially after what happened in the postseason last year him and josh Hader were like the best relievers in baseball so that was definitely significant But the bullpen, if you remember, early on in the season, they were a top-five bullpen in baseball. They were doing their jobs. It was the lineup that was eh, so-so, right? And the runners in scoring position was the worst in baseball for, like, what, the first few months of the season? And they're probably in the still in the bottom third of baseball with runners in scoring position. They were worse than teams like the Oakland A's and the Kansas City Royals and the Washington Nationals a few months into the season. So, yeah, significant. Would have loved to have Robert Suarez, but I thought the bullpen did a fine job in the first at least month, month and a half. I'd have to go back and look, maybe a couple months of the season. Um, So significant, but I don't think that's a valid excuse. Uh, There was just too much talent on this team for all these guys. Individually, these injuries, like they all add up for sure. But it's not like they, they've all missed three months. Some of these are more minor injuries. Some of these happened, you know, when other guys were playing well. Some of these happened and those guys weren't even playing well. So how, how much of an impact did that really have? Right? Those guys weren't helping the team anyway when they got hurt. Um, Darvish, Musgrove, obviously, this was, these injuries happened when we thought that the season was over. I mean, Musgrove, obviously, the left big toe fracture. So he missed. The first part of the season wasn't really himself when he first came back. So, yes, that was impactful for sure. But 
he is a starting pitcher. It's once, maybe twice a week. You know, and so how big of an impact? And I, I point to this last injury here. The shoulder, right shoulder inflammation, that capsule. Season's already over. You know, when that injury happens and he gets shut down, you're you're looking at the standings and it's like, okay, just don't come back, Joe. The season's already over. So that's not a valid excuse. The Darvish injury, not a valid excuse. I mean, the, the season's over. Um, right elbow inflammation on August 26th, placed on the IL there. Like, feels like season was already over when Darvish was, pit, was uh, placed on the IL, right? Uh, Luis Camposano, that was definitely significant. You know, you add the NOLA thing in there. Left thumb, uh, left thumb sprain for Luis Camposano. 60-day IL on April 17th. That's a big chunk of time to miss. Remember, Brett Thorne had to be called up. It was Sullivan and Nola. And then, thank goodness, you know, Preller ended up making a good addition with Gary Sanchez, um, taking advantage of the fact that the Mets had uh, let him go, not kept him on their active major league roster. So he had the chance to pick Gary Sanchez up. And Gary was able to have some power early on and have the catching position not be in as bad of a spot as it was, right? But definitely, the Luis Camposano injury was impactful because Camposano, if you remember, before he got hurt, it looked like, okay, he's going to take over as the starting catcher with Austin Nola being the backup. And we didn't know about the Austin Nola issues, obviously. But we were like, yeah, Campy clearly is going to be the starter, right? Clearly should be. He produces more on offense. Is it that huge of a defensive gap between the two guys? If it is, I mean, you can have Nola come in late in games, whatever, if you have a lead, right? But you need the offense from Camposano. But then he gets hurt, and that kind of throws some things off. So that was definitely impactful. But I would point to the big four, other big guys. Like the catching position, that's not a spot where I'm blaming it solely on that. And being like, oh, yeah, the catching position sucked. They didn't make the postseason because of that. Like, it's all collective here. And it's not just injuries. I, I, I don't want to say, like, the injuries are this big, valid excuse. You know, if you bring up injuries, excuse, sure. Valid, like, makes sense to use it as an excuse. And you can give a pass to this Padres team. No. Because it's not like they hit well with runners in scoring position or they played well in extra inning games or one-run, two-run games when they had these guys healthy and in the lineup, right? And so if they were playing well and they got hurt, okay, then that's more valid. But it's not like they were playing well. You know, this team was never, you know, in, in like a Dodger position, right, where they were, you know, double-digit lead in the division and some things that maybe some fans expected with this Padres team. They weren't in that. So it's, it's, it's hard for me to say, yeah, valid excuse. Uh, Michael Walker, 15-day IL, right shoulder inflammation. Seth Lugo missed a month with the calf strain. But those guys have, you know, when they've been on the mound, they've been good. And the Padres, they've had a good record with Walker on the mound. And maybe their record would be a little bit better if those guys including Waka, didn't miss time. But again, I still point to, well, look at the sample size from the offense. And if those guys were on the mound instead of who? Who was on the mound making those starts? At Ryan Weathers? I mean, Ryan Weathers, if you remember earlier in the year, he had good moments early in the season. And it was like, okay, this, these are some positive signs, good signs. And then obviously it slowed down. But, again, like, that's the difference between the Padres making or missing the postseason was those couple weeks that um, – those couple weeks – I think it was more than a couple weeks that Waka missed. More than a couple weeks that Lugo missed. Like, that was a huge difference. It was a difference, but how much of a difference? It was a nine-game difference, which is what the Padres are at, you know, under 500 right now. That's how big of a difference it was. How many games the Padres back in the wild card? It was a six and a half game difference. Like those guys, if they were on the mound, Padres would be in a postseason spot right now. 
I'm not willing to go that far to say that. And then like Jay Cronenworth, the wrist fracture. He already had been playing really bad. Season already over when that happened. So again, not a valid excuse. So injuries overall, they were definitely impactful. And if there was, you know, let's say the Dodgers dealt with these injuries. Would they be winning as many games as, as they have won this season? Probably not. But I feel like they'd have more wins than what the Padres were able to get this year because they find a way. Where the Padres this year, they haven't been able to find a way. Right? So those are my thoughts on the injuries. And then minor league-wise, Ethan Salas, he's out four weeks with a right knee sprain. No structural damage. He went to San Diego to visit with doctors, according to Jeff Sanders in the Union Tribune. So it looks like his season's going to be over. Double A, San Antonio Missions, their playoffs start in September, I believe. So, and, you know, with how, how young Ethan Salas is, it's not very smart to have Ethan Salas try to come back from this knee sprain because wouldn't you just be risking him injuring it more or hurting it, you know, going farther in it and, you know, just I feel like only something can only happen negatively if Ethan Salas comes back. You can have him be around the double-A team, which is, I feel like, what the plan is. I, I think that's what Jeff Sanders said in his article yesterday. That's the plan, is for Salas to be around the double-A environment, that playoff push, and continue to develop relationships with the pitching staff and his teammates and people in the organization. Like That's the right move. That should be happening. But to put him back on the field, he's already struggled in double-A. 179 average, 517 OPS, only nine games with San Antonio. But you add that with the short sample size that he had with Fort Wayne, where he struggled there. And I think it's valid to question, should the Padres have sent Ethan Salas to double A this early? Um, or should they have had him stick in Fort Wayne the rest of the year? Should they have just kept him in Lake Elsinore the entire year? I, I, I trust... I'm choosing to trust the Padres more because they know, obviously, more about the situation. They know Ethan Salas. They've been watching his games for years. You know, this isn't just a team that signed the guy and now they're just getting to know him. There's still probably more stuff to know about him, but it feels like they have a good relationship with Salas. I think that's probably a good reason, one of the big reasons why he ended up coming to the Padres because I assume there were a ton of teams that were interested. This guy is, what, 17 and he's already a top 10 prospect in baseball? Of course, there were other teams that were interested in Ethan Salas. So I feel like the Padres, they know more, and they want to test him. And if it doesn't work out, then they can make changes to where Ethan Salas is in the minor league system. And they can find ways to try to make him more comfortable and get better. As for this year, it's like, okay, you, you got through you know the first minor league season. There were good moments. He's looked... I think pretty good defensively at short at a excuse me behind the plate at catcher. Um, definitely room for improvement still, just like there's room for improvement offensively. But it's his first year; it's a process. It's going to take time. You've already rushed him to Double A, so rushing him back from an injury that's that definitely doesn't feel like a smart thing to do for for what a Double A playoff run. Sorry, Padres fans. Sure, San Antonio fans, maybe they care because that's their team in San Antonio. We don't care. We don't care about San Antonio's playoff run and Ethan Salas being back for San Antonio's playoff run over Ethan Salas's long-term health, you know, for the Padres organization. Right. All right. Quick break here, and then I'll get back to the chat to finish off this show. Check out Gaglione Bros Famous Cheesesteaks and Garlic Fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right. That was actually the wrong ad. So that is totally my fault. I'll tell you more about Underdog, on, uh, about underdog Fantasy, though. Because. I don't want to play that ad now because we've just wasted some time playing the Gaglione ad. You know, 
Gaglione Bros, they've been great to me. So they deserve another uh, shout out there. They've got, you know, the best cheesesteaks in San Diego. They're at Petco Park, down the third baseline. Some other locations around the ballpark as well. They're at Snapdragon Stadium. Uh, their main location on Friars Road. So definitely, you know, their cheesesteak fries at Petco. Oh, my gosh. They are tremendous. Had that the last time I was at the ballpark uh, during the last homestand, I want to say. Um, I don't know. Was it the last homestand? I think it was this current homestand. But anyway, it was tremendous. Now, Underdog Fantasy, as I do, as always, pregame thoughts. I share my Underdog Fantasy pick. And what I'm doing there is I'm going to Underdog Fantasy, the app that they have, and I'm going to the daily picks that they have. Higher, lower, like number of hits a player's going to have or number of hits a pitcher's going to give up. Like yesterday, Rich Hill, four hits. I went higher on that, giving you my recommendation. And I, I feel like I've had a pretty good success rate this season. But with Underdog Fantasy... It's not just baseball. There's NBA, there's NFL, there's, I believe, tennis, there's golf, there's everything. So go ahead. You can click that link in the description. You can use code TALKINGFRIERS, and Underdog Fantasy will give you a 100% uh, deposit match, up to $100 for free. So if you deposit 20 bucks, they'll give you a free 20 bucks, And now you'll have 40 to be able to spend on some certain things and hopefully you can win some money. So there's there's drafts that they you know run um, where you don't have to go and set your lineup like they already set it for you. And then there's obviously the daily pickums as well. Um, so I definitely would recommend you check them out. All right. Maki XD asks, Soto, stay or go? Right now, you talk about trading him, I would say stay. At least give it through the trade deadline for next year. If you're talking about free agency, I'm leaning towards he's not going to be back with the Padres. I just think there's money to be spent before Soto reaches free agency. Boris client, I don't see him signing an extension. And maybe Sidley will make a good offer to Juan Soto, especially considering how much the Padres gave up for Juan Soto, you know, with all those top prospects. But maybe there's something to Juan Soto, you know, seeing out these few years with the Padres and be like, yeah, just not feeling it. Maybe there's something to him wanting to go back east to another franchise there. Maybe he wants to go to a team that has proven year in and year out that they can be a contender in their division, a contender in the National League or the American League. And Padres, based on track record, they have not been able to do that. Sure, 2020, made it, they made the postseason, but then they got bounced. They got swept by the Dodgers in the in the division series. Won the wild card, but they got bounced in the division series. And that was a short season. Who knows if they would have made the postseason if it would have been a full season, right? 2021, great start. Couldn't finish it. 2023 here, a lot of talent. And they've wasted this season. No postseason appearance. And then next year, if something kind of like this happens again, or even if they don't go on a deep postseason run, maybe they make the postseason, but they don't go deep. Soto could look at maybe someone like the Dodgers if they don't land Otani. He could look at maybe a team like the Giants, who are in a better spot than the Padres are at. We thought they had less talent, lower payroll. Look where they're at. You know, the Giants, they didn't bring in Arson Judge last uh, offseason, right? Like, they have money that they can spend. The New York Mets, they're going to be willing to spend. Steve Cohen is definitely going to be willing to spend because they're trying to start winning in 2025, 2026, right? At least that's what the Mets told Max Scherzer before they traded him to the Texas Rangers earlier this year. So that lines up perfectly for Steve Cohen to bring in Juan Soto. Uh I don't feel like always mentioning the New York Yankees because I feel like that's just people living in the past. Yankees, they're in on everyone. Yeah, they just, they'll just go sign this player. They sign players, no doubt. But there's a lot of guys where it's like Yankee fans or the media is like, Yankees, Yankees, they're in on them, Yankees. You know, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, uh, who are some other big free agents that are like, yeah, Yankees are in on this guy. And it didn't, you know, looking back on it, it was like, 
were they really that serious about that player? Probably not, or else they would have made a better effort, right? Um, Yankees, they, they could be in on Juan Soto. I'm not saying that they won't, but it's going to be a lot of money, and they already have some huge contracts. And the Yankees are not run like they used to be run. So I tend to think, like, maybe Mets, Giants, Dodgers. Should I throw the Cubs in there? I, I don't know. The Nationals, obviously, no, because, I mean, that would be kind of weird, right? He ends up signing with, let's say the Nationals somehow, like, are willing to, or Soto's performance maybe declines, and it's like, well, 440 is our best offer, or the best offer that he gets. He just goes back and signs with the Nationals, and he can go play alongside all the prospects that they got when they traded him to the Padres. Uh, but there's, there's probably some sleeper teams in there that I'm not really focusing on. But yeah, right now I'd say Soto would go somewhere else. I would take the field on that than the Padres. All right. That's it. Talking for hours episode 462. Thank you all for tuning in. Watch on replay or live on YouTube or listening to the podcast platforms. Listening on the podcast platforms, I should say. I appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day. Hopefully the Padres can knock off the Phillies here and maybe take two out of three. They've got a pretty tough stretch coming up, so we'll see what happens. Thank you.